Hello and welcome to Superwoo Radio. I am absolutely delighted. No, I'm not delighted. I'm delighted to have a very uh, good friend. We've known each other for several years. We've we've hung out a little bit when you came over to Australia. That was really really lovely to catch up in 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 living man and living man energy. Um, I'm staying away from the whole personage thing. Mark Paker, welcome. Or Mark Paker. It's actually uh, Pecker, George, but you're Pecker. welcome to... Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Mark Pecker, welcome yes. to Super Woo Radio. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Thank you, George. Oh, mate, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure know. to be here, George, for the first time, actually. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, we've had some pretty serious jam sessions and around the fire and... Um, you know, it's been really good. So, um, and around a red lamp too, LED red lamp, I believe one night too, um, when we were on the rooftop. Did we have a red LED lamp there? I don't remember that lamp. No, I remember the roof, but not the lamp. Okay. (laughs) Well, we couldn't have a fire in that spot. So we ended up having an LED, little LED panel. Anyway, um, that, that was, uh, some good nights, mate. Every time we sit down and have a conversation, we jam really well and we go deep and cover a lot of real topics, uh, serious topics. Now, we have a big one today that you are very passionate about. And um, yes. the little conversation that we started to have, I said, whoa, 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 whoa time out, because that, that, that belongs to a much bigger conversation. And here we are, we, we're all you know, in this space, on this stage. And I'm really excited about what we have to talk about today because there's something very important that we need to kind of unpack because it, it's got its tentacles into so many places. Yeah, over to you, Mark. What is it that you want to genuinely uh-huh. unpack today? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh the broader topic of this conversation that you uh, actually um, wanted to discuss might be called the era of confusion. Right. (laughs) And uh, the more particular topic that led to that broader theme is uh, something that I wanted to bring in which is um, the subject of Tartaria. Okay. That um, we, we started hearing about it maybe one year ago or so. Um, and um, the more I heard about it and the more I started hearing other people talking about it, uh, the more I had that feeling growing that this really needed to be discussed and brought into light, which I've already done once uh, with uh, uh, another friend who's a member of your community. Yeah, that'd uh, be with Shane, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she invited me uh, on her podcast, and uh, um, uh, I didn't know what I was going to talk about until uh, uh, maybe an hour before the podcast started, all of a sudden, that theme came and totally imposed itself upon me. 
So uh, I brought my perspective. I explained my perspective about the whole thing. And uh, what do you know when she tried to upload the conversation to her website? The whole website crashed and she had uh, to rebuild it from scratch. What? So I thought, hmm, maybe I'm onto something here. Ooh, maybe that's, someone that's... really didn't want uh, that subject to be brought under that specific type of light. Yeah, and that's a that's a very big reaction there. You know, you can call that a coincidence. I think you know it's like, <laughs> yeah, with the experiment, big experiment that's going on on the human race at the moment, and uh, the experimental injections, and all these people dying, getting sick, and this explosion of illnesses, cancers, etc. And uh, and and there's this denial about what it's, you know. Um, looks like a cause and um it's 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 that same process there's 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 a real issue here with what we're going to talk about today and there's mm. so much denial and um it, it's we really got to get past that we've got to look at the facts and reality so um i'm really excited about adventuring deep into this space with you here today mate um where would you like to begin? Because it's a big topic and we're going to, just for you, the listener, we're going to go really big and we're going to go really deep. We're going to unpack something that is a, a major process because the confusion into human consciousness, that, that, that the creation of the confusion. So, you know, there, there are days when I feel a little bit lost um, and, uh, and I know speaking to people in my life you know friends family my local community and then we've got our online community um there's a lot of people that are experiencing that confusion that uncertainty and uh, even despair as a result of this this it's pretty much like a psyop isn't it it is it is and um, um it can be very useful if you are a controller to get people in a state of confusion. Mm, mm. And uh, since you were mentioning the pandemic, we have certainly seen that uh, in the early days of the pandemic, it was uh, very noticeable that uh, the authorities and the media were constant, constantly bombarding people, not just with messages of fear, but also with contradictory yeah. messages. And uh, when you plunge people in that state of confusion, uh, there comes a moment when the mind gives up. Mm. The mind goes, I really don't know what to believe about this. You know, so just tell me what to do. Mm. Because I cannot figure it out. And it's too stressful, it's too painful. So uh, tell me what to do. Which, of course, was the, the, uh, uh, the exact effect that was being sought, that they were trying to produce. Yeah. So, uh, um, there's several, to me, I see several programs that are running that mm -hmm. create that confusion, like 
you, you can almost feel like they've been inserted into the collective field of human consciousness. There's like these stories that get inserted, they get brought up and um, there is one particular one that you would like to talk about, even though there's other relevant ones. It seems like there's yeah. this one that's come out recently that's got tentacles reaching out into and 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 taking parts of others and you know lining up with some other consciousness yep. viruses so to speak yes um, yes mind viruses it's amazing mm. yeah there is one that uh, uh it seems to go really well with you know they have a nice um uh association with one another apparently and it's uh, uh well, first, as I said, the one I really want to focus on is a Tartaria, mm. but it seems to go really well with flat earth. Mm. In that people who resonate with one also tend to resonate with the other. And uh, um, I remember that you were qualifying the whole flat earth phenomenon as a mind virus. Yeah, because of my direct experience, like, you know, I've been able, I've had the honor and the privilege of viewing the earth from afar. And uh, it's, yeah, we're, we're not on a flat plane. I mean, it has to do with the experience of being on this, on this reality. And, um, uh, the easiest way to explain it to me is like from when you when you look at a life cycle of time, for example, and you get that you get the ring, okay? So you get a life cycle of something, but that's that's the life cycle that the entire ring. Now, when when you go down onto that timeline, you end up walking on the circumference of the timeline because you're living the past, present and future, right? So when you come down into reality and you can see the ring, like the life cycle, but then you come down into the reality, now you are walking along the circumference. So now you experience linear time rather than coming out of that space, rising above the life cycle and experiencing the whole life cycle. When you come out of that, you go into what? No time of that reality. And from that point, you can access all points of time in that life cycle, in that circle, yes. in that ring. Yeah. So, so it's the same from out there. The planet looks spherical in nature. I'm not saying it's a total sphere. It's not a ball. It, it is a little bit oblique. And, and then as you come down onto this planet, then it opens up to a flat linear plane like, like time does. You know, and, and you can experience it as a flat linear plane until you change your perspective, you know, until you expand your awareness beyond the flat linear experience of things like only experiencing linear time. But you and I both had personal direct experiences where we've gone into no time or we bend time and time can pass really slow. It can pass very quickly, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's how I can find an analogy to explain it to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know, George, whether uh, you are the one who coined that expression mind virus, 
but uh, I, I find it genius, really. Mm. Uh, it is uh, such a great way to, to describe what's going on with uh, uh, what I consider to be a psyop, yeah. uh, a, a big manipulation. Well, I hadn't heard um, it from anyone. I just came out with it one day. I thought I'm so. I'm the only one to have said it. I don't know. It just came out of me. So yeah, and it's uh, frankly, it's genius. Yeah. Uh, it's genius. It's uh, it fits so well mm. because um, in the uh, mainstream understanding of what a virus is, which is most probably not accurate, but you know that's the uh, it's become so widespread and so part of our uh, common perception of reality that we uh, that, that we accept it. So in that mainstream understanding, a virus is something that um, spreads from one host, you know, one person to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Mm -hmm. There is a contagion, an infection effect. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's very interesting about viruses um, is that once they enter a host, well, maybe they don't, but let's say once they concept, enter, the viral concept, yeah, right? Exactly. Well, a, a biological virus. Well, they're, they're not really biological either. No, they're not. Essentially, they're programs. Yeah, they're programs. Yeah. yeah, they're they're bits of information. Yeah, they're, they're bits of information. Guys, you know, little USB stick that comes out of yeah, a virus, carries exactly. information out of a cell, carries information. Yeah, yeah a little spike mm -hmm. protein. It's called exosome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, they don't eat. These, they don't poo. <laughs> right. They don't. Re they don't reproduce. Uh, they don't reproduce. Uh, they're, not, they're not biological. They're not, in no, any nature. they're not organisms. So when when no. people, uh, I've heard people, for instance, talking of uh, oh, the dead viruses. You know, they're not active anymore. They're dead. Mm. How, how can they be dead? You know, they, they were not alive to begin with. <laughs> the way we understand life, at least. So mm -hmm. how could they be dead? But never mind that. Mm. The concept, uh, since a virus, when it um, enters a cell, rearranges the ecosystem of that cell to suit its own needs. Mm. Uh, it's the same with a mind virus. Yeah. So a mind virus spreads, propagates itself, replicates itself, because that's what viruses do you know they don't reproduce but they replicate themselves uh like like um uh computer viruses do that's also why we call them viruses because they they reproduce and they spread so mind virus uh, enters the mind rearranges the ecosystem of that mind mm. to make itself at home mm. And so uh, many ways you perceive reality around what is the particular theme of that mind virus mm -hmm. are going to be rearranged and reorganized. Sometimes in a very radical way. Mm. The moment you open your mind to that program, by con just by considering it, you know, and of course, there is nothing wrong in considering uh, a concept, an idea, 
but in this case, that, that is how it gains access. And that is why it is not good practice to um, examine anything just from a conceptual, intellectual angle, because that makes you really vulnerable. Yeah, it does. You know, it does. It does the, uh, uh, the feeling, the feeling component of our perception must really be uh, on the case as well. 100%. Yep. Absolutely. And like totally. Like if, because then we're leaving out the foundational part of our being and we're just mm -hmm. operating in this really shallow space called the intellect. And we leave the yeah. rest of our spirit and consciousness and our our heart, soul essence, and our whole multi-dimensional universal nature just gets left out of the equation. <laughs> yeah. And I have seen really, really intelligent people uh, embrace that concept of, of flat earth at some point. Yeah. Um, I looked into it. I generally entertained, like I was objective about it in my approach. And I was like, to the point where I'm like, well, if I'm out there, and I'm looking back, you know, was who I was with implanting a vision into my mind. Like I really, I really went deep in, in making sure that what I was sharing was real and, uh, and, and, and really analyzing my approach to this whole process now. So, um, when, I heard when I started, well, first let me say that uh, um, briefly, really briefly, that uh, I never really seriously considered flat earth hmm. because uh, when I was first exposed to it, uh, it felt very off to me. And uh, th there were signs that were really uh, looked like alarm bells to me. Like, for instance, the fact that uh, all of a sudden there was that flurry of videos about the subject that were all released at the same time mm -hmm. and uh, all looking very professional in terms of quality. So it's not how things organically develop, especially for such a fringe subject. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. You know? Normally, when something is so off uh, the mainstream understanding of things, uh, it starts with one person is starting to talk about it, and then uh, others hear about it, and they bring their own contribution. And so uh, little by little, bit by bit, the discussion progresses, you know, and it's uh, usually a kind of uh, uh, garage workshop sort of production, mm. certainly not uh, a, a wide-scale, coordinated-looking, professional kind of thing. Because uh, people who are on the alternative side of information, usually they don't have a lot of resources, uh, financially speaking, materially speaking. So um, when I started hearing about um, Tartaria, that also immediately fell off to me. And 
the uh, um, the words that came to my mind very quickly were this really feels like flat earth 2.0 yeah and the, and the word tartaria it's like um everything has energy yeah so i'm always you know feeling the energy that that emanates from a word when it's pronounced or when it's written and i read it uh, so what's the energy behind it and every time i hear the word tartaria or you know it's pronounced um, even when i say it myself there's a vibration about it that that's off it's it's not quite right mm -hmm. yeah um so um yeah please go on so it feels to me like there is a imperial push behind it energetically speaking that that's the sense that i get yeah as i as i've felt into this uh, in a much deeper way mm -hmm. Yeah, so for people who have uh, never heard about this, and I imagine there are still many people, in fact, who have never heard about this, uh, it might be worth briefly presenting uh, what this is about. Yeah, a brief overview would be really beautiful. Thanks, Mark. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are, in fact, uh, what I was not aware of initially, there are quite a few versions of that let's call it a theory for the moment. There are, there are quite a few versions of it, but the core, the core of it all is that uh, according to the theory in question, mm -hmm. there used to be uh, what could be called a global civilization mm -hmm. uh, based in that land, the, the core of it was that land of Tartaria. And uh, interestingly, many people choose to call it an empire, the Tartarian Empire. And that, to me, is already revealing. Mm. <laughs> because it's a program in and of itself. Mm. So uh, if you have a civilization that supposedly has planetary reach, Automatically considering it as an empire uh, is already telling you something about the mindset that's behind it. Especially because people, this people who go on about it, describe it as that sort of very benevolent, very brilliant and benign kind of uh, uh, entity. So uh, that's not uh, how I understand an empire works. Mm. But so there was that um, global civilization that had advanced technology, advanced beneficial technology like free energy. Mm. Uh, that's one of the points uh, that they really emphasize, free energy. Now, uh, where it becomes really uh, out there is that according to the proponents of that theory, um, we had free energy until the 19th or even 20th century. Yeah, early and someone, yeah. yeah. And someone, and again, there are different versions here, someone has come and suppressed it all 
and destroy the Tartarian culture and make it disappear from historical records completely. Mm. So uh, uh, sometimes they say it's the British Empire, sometimes they say it's the Jews, sometimes it's the Jews controlling the British Empire, sometimes it's not specified at all, but uh, uh, someone did it. So just when, when you say the Jews, we've got to clarify that. We're not talking about um, the average, you know, normal people who have, you know, a Hebrew faith, uh, Hebraic faith. We're, we're talking about the Khazarian mafia, right? That's probably what they have in mind. Yeah, that's what it's the, uh, the, the imperial Jews, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I think they give the, the normal people a very bad rap. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, mm. absolutely. There, there are lots of uh, okay. The uh, um, as an overall ethnic group, mm. the Jewish people have much more influence in society than most other mm. ethnic groups, and they are attracted to positions of influence uh, very, uh, very significantly. Yeah, so part, uh, part, part of that has to do with um, the ideology of them being the chosen one. So absolutely, there's, there's people that understand the true interpretation of that, and then there's people that take that more uh, literal, more uh, I would say shallow interpretation, which then that interpretation plugs straight into their fears and insecurities, and and it becomes all about power and and um, superiority complex and all those sorts mm -hmm. of things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the core of the story. Mm. And uh, um, there are, let's say. Um, now, there's evidence, isn't there, to show that there was some kind yeah. of. Yeah. Well, no, the thing or... is, uh, the, the thing is, um, for any good manipulation, you need to have elements of truth. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You need to have really strong uh, elements of truth mm. in there. Mm. And uh, what I find with uh, that Sartarian story is that it is a textbook example mm. of a whole um, collection, a whole collection of partial elements of truth that have been picked here and there and there and there and then patchworked and I even like to say Frankensteins together <laughs> into that creature of Tartaria. Yeah. <laughs> because um, it is indeed true that we have had uh, civilizations that have disappeared mm. that had a really advanced level of technology here on earth mm. yeah and of course atlantis is the most famous one but it's not the only one there were others so that is uh, actually true yeah there has been a big process of devolution over the last few millennia mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is also true that uh history has been altered mm. Uh, 
not the way not the way they say it has been, and not to that extent. Because uh, what is really, really uh, extreme with that theory um, is that claim that we had uh, free energy everywhere one century ago. Mm. And um, one of the variations of the Tartarian story is that uh, Tartaria was actually destroyed by mud floods. Okay. So um, if I stop just, just a moment yeah. to examine that theory of the mud floods, yeah. how, how on earth, pun intended, how on earth would that be possible? Mm. How could there be mud floods on the entire planet because uh, I can understand the deluge, you know? Yeah, there can, there can be a deluge on the entire planet mm -hmm. with torrential rains or with uh, uh, tsunamis. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But mud, mm -hmm. how could there be mud everywhere mm -hmm. covering everything? Because that's part. That's something that they they very often show photographs of buildings, with, for instance, uh, windows coming uh, out of the ground. Yeah, and they look like half windows. Mm -hmm. And then they tell you, see, this is proof. The mud went to that exact level of the building. And that's why you have that window emerging from the ground mm -hmm. that looks like a half window or something. So I find it an incredible leap of interpretation mm -hmm. to say that because there is a window that looks like a half window coming out of the ground, it proves that a building was covered in mud. Well, if we look at places like Baalbek or um, Gobekli Tepe, wasn't buried by mud, was purposefully buried by sand. Mm -hmm. um, if we look at Tiatahuacan, Tiahuanaku, if we look at uh, the country I'm in, Australia, you look at places around Asia, etc., etc., there is no indication of these mud floods. Mm -hmm. So they must be isolated to a certain part of the world where this may, where, you know, these sort of mud floods occurred during a particular period of time. But it doesn't mean it was all over the world. So, you know, again, this is the usual tactic that happens is someone will take a localised story or circumstances and then make it the whole picture like Christmas, for example, you know, here I am and we are approaching the winter solstice uh, in five weeks mm -hmm. here. So this is our lead up to Christmas. Yeah. Because Christmas <laughs> is the celebration of the Northern Hemisphere's winter solstice. That's the mm -hmm. original. And then you've got the religious ideology that got laid over the top of that. So, um, and, and for folks who are not aware of that, uh, it's just the uh, the sun moving along the horizon 
and then it is it dies and then it, it is born again three days later uh on so it dies on the solstice and then three days later around the 25th of december it is born again the sun is born again and um so that's been the basis for the whole story of christmas so but then that story in the part of the world where it's like uh europe middle east whatever that's now being spread all around the world and now we have this thing around the world where we all must celebrate christmas on the 25th of december i was like hang on what about the entire southern hemisphere which is exactly 180 degrees opposite to that if you get where i'm coming from so that yeah, that, that tactic of taking something small and localized and making it the everything for everyone that's a tactic that's been used throughout millennia so it seems to be happening again yeah and also uh, uh to me this is also an example of uh, um, an element of truth that is taken out of its context mm. because uh it is true that there have been uh in the past global catastrophes uh they have happened especially uh, when we were at the end of one of the cycles uh, of the planet mm. there would be uh, really massive uh, geological events or uh, uh, weather events oh, well, and so uh, there's 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 hundreds of uh references written references and even in in scribes in rocks and cave paintings and cave art let alone all the uh literature of the great flood now that that was a global event and yeah. as far as i'm concerned this is my personal opinion uh it was created when the moon was placed around the planet that created the great flood and uh and the and there were certain gods that knew they were going to place the moon around the earth and then warned everybody because they knew what damage it was going to do so um that that's that's an example for me mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree i completely agree mm. now another element that some versions bring into the picture yeah. is the presence of giants yeah, yeah that's a big subject isn't it wow yeah Pardon yeah. the pun, but yeah, it's a very, very <laughs> substantial, big, gigantic. Well, oh, mate, it is. Good dad jokes are rolling out now, because <laughs> you know I had the opportunity to stand on these um, hieroglyphs or ancient carvings in in the rocks over in Hawaii, and I was there with uh, the son of a, a um, one of the one of the main kahunas there on the big island, and. He was sharing with me where we were, and we were standing on a, a burial site of giants, and they actually had the tractor and excavator, and they were doing some sort of landscaping around there for a resort, and then it just caved in, and the excavator went down <laughs> in this cavern, and then when they went to get the excavator out and look around, they found bones of giants there, and then the all the locals, it was a it was a had to be hush hush. There were locals that knew what happened. Obviously, the Kahuna's knew what had happened, and um, yeah, it's all had to be kept very quiet. But they found the bones. Yeah, yeah, and there have been many uh, skeletons that have been uh, uh, excavated all over the planet, and uh, they're all <laughs> carefully hidden. 
hidden away. Yeah, <laughs> taken lots of by fake the... images as well. I've seen the fake images. Yeah, of course. Of um, course. Yeah, and they've been debunked yeah. and, and, and debunked really well. Uh, however, there are some that are absolutely genuine. Mm. Yeah, and that's also part of the, the whole theme of confusion, of course. Uh, you take something true and you make fake with it. <laughs> uh, that's part of the problem we have. Mm. But um, regarding the giants, so one of the versions says that uh, Tartaria was ruled by giants. And there are always, um, as far as I can tell, all kinds of gaps in the story, really big holes uh, in, in the story that is being presented. But so uh, one version says, yeah, they were ruled by giants. And okay, here is another element of truth. Yes, we had giants on Earth and uh, probably multiple species of giants. Uh, some of them that were not very, very nice, by the way. Um, that there are multiple stories in uh, um, uh, indigenous people lore mm. of giants who were not nice. You know, when the Europeans uh, arrived in North America, uh, the natives had stories of uh, being at war with some giants mm. because these guys were eating people. Yeah. So uh, the Native Americans, they were... Uh, they were hunting them to get rid of them. And I remember uh, a story by a gentleman who lives in your country, George. He lives in Australia. Uh, he's British originally, but he moved to Australia when he was really young, in his early 20s, I think. Michael Rhodes in his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and he's a really... Uh, He's a really good interdimensional traveler. Mm. And uh, in one of his journeys that he chronicles in his books, uh, he went back to a time uh, and a place of giants here mm. on, on planet Earth. And he saw their city. And uh, they were very, very, uh, uh, they were pretty dark people. He felt that they were constantly, uh, constantly angry and constantly uh, in fear of one another. Mm. And uh, um, um, it ended in a really um, dramatic way because he felt, he felt inspired at some point to radiate uh, the love of his being through the city. And the people went berserk. Yeah, right. They went berserk. Uh, the soldiers among them started killing people. Wow. They, they, they were so, it was like being burned for them. It was, they, they couldn't stand it. And uh, there was only one exception. There was a child. There was a child who was completely in awe, you know, and... Uh, probably deeply transformed. Mm. So uh, why he had to do this, maybe for that very child to receive that light and initiate a, a deep change in that society, that's a possibility. But all well, that's to say... Hmm? To, to use analogy for that, in our world, it'd be an angel came and... and 
a human on earth had an experience with a so-called angel coming and and impacting the individual so much and then ending up writing things down which then became the scriptures which then you know so it's like you know now the tables are turned you know it's um really really interesting how it flips around that a an earth human goes to another world and f plays that exact same role. Mm. And uh, I want to address another aspect of this same phenomenon. Yes. Of uh, taking a piece of information that is true mm. and then uh, recycling it by putting it in a different context mm. and uh, uh, interpreting it in a way that is skewed, in my opinion, and that is uh, architecture, and more specifically, a religious architecture. Because according to uh, uh, a lot of these Tartarian theories, uh, buildings that we are familiar with, like churches, and uh, especially the big ones, the cathedrals, mm. And, uh, and even some skyscrapers were um, not, in the case of the religious buildings, they were not places of worship originally. They were free energy generators. Mm. Free energy generators that were used to uh, power the cities and, uh, and it was all wonderful and beautiful. And that is what we were deprived of now what sort the, of build, are you talking about buildings yeah buildings yeah. exactly now what what kind is there a specific architectural signature to these buildings that stand make them stand out uh they show several examples and sometimes uh well i have to give credit where credit is due they go pretty deep sometimes to show that uh, uh, it's not just decoration and it's not just a style. Mm. It actually has a, a purpose that is energetic. Would, it, would it, the style be akin to something like an Edwardian style or a Victorian style of architecture, etc.? They gave They give lots of different examples across multiple architectural styles. Mm. But really, uh, my understanding of that, when we look at temples, churches, places of worship in general, mm. is that, yes, indeed, they were built as resonators. Mm. And they were generating some form of free energy. But my question is, for whom? was that energy free yeah good question was it free for humanity or was it free for the deities and to me the answer is pretty uh clear you know it's free energy for the gods right wow as it calibrates the uh, devotional energies of the people who come to these places to worship. That's epic. Mm. Yeah, That's then whoops, yeah. Channeled, channeled to the deities and their, yeah, and their hierarchies. Mm. 
So yes, again, there is a truth to it. It's just that uh, I don't believe for a second that these buildings used to power cities. Um, because if we consider the claim, you know, with just basic, really basic common sense, that claim that uh, uh, all of this went away in the late 19th, early 20th century. Yeah. These are the periods in history that are possibly the most documented mm. in existence. Yeah. The amount of literature, you know, novels, mm. poems, personal journals, newspapers, you name it. Yeah. The amount of records that we have on that period, is it reasonable to conceive that a global civilization and a global advanced technology would be completely wiped out from any single archive we have all across the board? What kind of means would be necessary to orchestrate um, something that massive, yeah. something that uh, wide-reaching and uh, all-encompassing, especially because uh, what they usually base the core of their theory on is some old, old European maps that show uh, in the Far East an area where it is written Tartaria. So, uh, can someone explain to me why controllers who had such an uh, incredible level of sophistication that they could make such a massive information as a global civilization with advanced technology disappear from every single record existing in society, but they would have forgotten the maps. You're right. Convenient. They didn't think of the maps. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, so that's a very valid point. So what's what is it with these maps? Mm. So why why do we have these uh, regions in Asia that uh, the Europeans were designate were designating as being called Tartaria? Mm. Well, um, the Europeans at the time, they didn't know the entire planet, you know, they, they, they hadn't spread everywhere like they did in the 19th century. In the 19th century, they, were, they, were, they went absolutely everywhere. But before that, they didn't know the geography of the entire planet and they didn't know the, geopoli the geopolitics, yeah. the geopolitical landscape, of the entire planet. So where was that uh, concept of Tartaria coming from? Well, it was coming from the Middle Ages, from the period of the Mongol Empire. Mm. Because the, the Tartars, well, Europeans said Tartars, but really they're the Tatars. The Tatars were uh, a group of people who were living on the Mongolian um, 
what's the word for that plateau um plateau do you say that plateau yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so they were living on the mongolian plateau and they were rival they were rivals of the mongols and so uh, when Genghis Khan created the uh, um, uh, the Mongol Empire. They were assimilated in uh, what was initially a confederacy, a confederacy of nomadic people. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, they had to accept the Mongols as their overlords, mm-hmm. but they were part of these of that confederacy. Yeah. So when the Mongol Empire started to expand westward towards Russia and the rest of Western Europe, um, they sent the Tatars to uh, be the primary force of that operation. And so uh, when the Mongol army would invade uh, and they were really, really, they were really cruel. They were really genocidal. You know, any, the slightest sign of resistance, everyone would be slaughtered. Mm. Uh, But they were, when they would arrive somewhere, they would present themselves as Tatars, not as Mongols. They were saying we are, we are the Tatars. Mm. And uh, uh, the Europeans, they added an R probably because uh, they were thinking of Tartarus. Tartarus, which is uh, uh, in the uh, old, in in the ancient Greek legends, Mm. it is the designation of the underworld. Mm. Like Hades. Tartarus. Yeah, exactly, like Hades. Mm. It it was also called Tartarus. Mm. And uh, it it is still even present in some... um, religious medieval writings in the the text of the the requiem mass for instance uh, you you can find that there is a passage where there it is there is a reference to tartarus as hell you know so uh, uh because they were so scared of the mongol invaders who were being so cruel i guess that's why they added that r and they made the Tatars Tartars. And uh, by the way, the Tatars, they still exist to this day. Uh, In multiple areas of Russia, there are, yeah, there are Tatar people in multiple areas of Russia. Um, The dancer, the the immensely famous dancer, Rudolf Nureyev, uh, he was Tatar by his mother. And uh, I remember an interview where he was saying, uh, I speak bad Russian and bad English and bad French, and I have forgotten my mother tongue, which was Tatar. So... uh, Wow, interesting. Yeah. So the evidence of of a civilization like that existing, you're saying there's some evidence there that there was a Tatarian... Yeah, yeah, the, an the, empire, or a group of people, you know, well, a society was, or a culture. Yeah, 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 yeah it was a, a nomadic, uh, a nomadic group of people mm. that uh, became part of the Mongol Empire, 
mm. and spread out of its uh, place of origin mm. because of uh, that huge Mongol expansion across Eurasia. Mm. So, um, and that is why in these uh, old European maps, mm. you find that there are places uh, not very well defined in Asia that they call Tartaria. Mm. So how did these maps survive when everything else didn't? <laughs> that's also a very good question, you know? This, would, that's why... Like, you know, yeah. you could say. But mm. surely there'd be some other forms of evidence somewhere. Have you found any? Um, Besides the maps and the buildings and the story, are there any other? Or, some, know, sometimes, you... sometimes they show you really stupid, stupid things like uh, uh, photographs uh, where you see people in uh, um, a countryside landscape, mm -hmm. farmer type people. Mm. And next to them, gigantic mules. Right. And then they tell you, see, the giants. Mm. So uh, <laughs> it's the mules that are gigantic, you know? Mm -hmm. So lots of things like that. If I also once saw um, um an early a film of the early 20th century 20th century that had been shot in japan of a, a kind of procession mm. and uh, uh you could see um a japanese guy dressed like a, like a sumo wrestler and who looked giant you know he looked like he was uh, uh 30 feet high mm. Um, I don't believe that is genuine, but uh, that is also the kind of film that is being used to uh, um, claim that there is proof. There are photos of um, very tall people standing next to the average yeah. person. Uh, yeah. A lot of photos in that eastern side of Europe, you know, mm. from the late 1800s into the early 1900s. So there yeah. is some photographic evidence of these very large, tall people existing. Yeah, there are, absolutely. Mm. Well, some people um, grow way, way beyond the average size mm. of their ethnic group. Yeah, you get you do get the odd one, which is just like, you know, this this um anomaly in the genetic lines sure mm -hmm. but um you know they can get up to about seven foot tall but there mm -hmm. are some photos and these beings are standing eight to nine feet tall um the evidence of ancient monuments like the the the, the argument for giants is pretty strong really when you start looking at the doorways of monuments that are very ancient old even even in Egypt, there's plenty of evidence of that, and oh, yeah. and you've even got it 
written in stone or scribed into stone where you've got mm -hmm. a pharaoh or one of the gods, you know, and then they've got the human sitting on their lap, which is like a little child compared to, yeah. to them. So, yes. But, hmm. Yes, so um, that's what I really see in that whole, uh, what I call Flat Earth 2.0. Yeah. It is that uh, they have taken a lot of elements of truth that they have patchworked together. Hmm. But the, uh, the patchwork doesn't look convincing to me at all because there are all kinds of major problems with that narrative. Hmm. And um, so it, is really, it is really striking to me hmm. To see how intelligent people lose their critical sense when exposed to that narrative. Mm. And that's what I've been trying to understand. Mm. How come that people who are really intelligent and have access to a, a, a really high level of information mm. and are well aware of uh, the, um, the subtle uh, aspects of life, Mm. how come they are buying they seem to buy so easily mm. how come mm. and uh, um, I, I have found several reasons for that and one of them is that this narrative plays on the, uh, the victim archetype hmm and I had a haha -ha, ha -ha moment with that when I heard Max Egan talk about it. Okay. And uh, uh, I actually respect Max Egan. I think he did uh, uh, great work and, uh, uh, you know, my hat off to the man. Yeah. But uh, he, was, uh, he was talking about that Tartarian narrative and the fact that we had free energy so recently uh, readily available. Mm. And then he told, he told the interviewer this, these few words that, you know, it was like, it, it, it lit a bulb off for me. It was like, Poof, right, right. yeah, okay. there it, there it is. He said, they took so much from us, brother. Mm. And I immediately went, there it is. Mm. There you have it. That's your victim archetype speaking mm. really loud here. So uh, there is that is one aspect of it. It's a, a play on our uh, on our victimhood. And and again, it's true at the core. At the core, it's true. Mm. Humanity is being suppressed in so many ways. Uh, so many technologies are being withheld from us. Oh, and uh, amazing, I mean. yeah, at, at its core, it's true. It's true. It's just not true in that specific mm. context. Right. Yep. Yep. And uh, uh, another uh, aspect I have found is the, uh, um, the seduction of sensational information yeah. and the addiction to it. Mm. Oh, it's unreal, yeah. 
and that's something I can see in myself. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I could also recognize it in this case. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see that so many people seem so excited about this. <laughs> and I believe it's exactly for that reason. It's the new hot thing. You know, it's the new hot stuff. Oh, there is the light, <laughs> the last hot stuff. Ooh, how exciting. Um, uh, I saw that one of your uh, fellow country, um, let's say country persons, <laughs> had uh, changed the name of her YouTube channel to uh, Tartaria Australia. Oh, uh, really? For yes. <laughs> wow. It was that really? That's that was my reaction. Really? <laughs> oh wow! Who, oh. who may I ask was that? Oh, okay. Do you really want me to say to say the name? Well, it's public, isn't it? This person yeah, it is, it's it publicly. Totally, it's totally yeah, it's totally public. It's JCK. Okay. Mm. Yeah, when you first announced it, that's the energy that came through. It was her mm. energy turned up? Yeah. yeah wow. Okay, so this is really interesting to see where where what's happening to a lot of people in that alternative space. In yeah, you know, and when the flat, I remember when the flat Earth theory um, story made a comeback. Yeah, because it was pretty strong in the days of the Spanish Inquisition, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, back in the early days. I mean, they really pushed that hard. Uh, even though, you know, the Portuguese had sailed, you know, to Australia in the 1500s and um, and then you, then you have the Chinese as well who were uh, exploring a lot of the lands on, on the planet back then as well. Um, locally here, there's a little town near me called 1770 and uh, that's when Captain Cook and Joseph Banks came up the coastline um after of course landing in in sydney harbour etc etc but um botany bay and all that sort of stuff and really uh that the local talk here of the ones that really got into the diaries of the sailors of james cook's diaries and bank's diaries and those sorts of um you know that sort of research that depth of research they're actually saying that no, they actually had a copy of the Portuguese map and the Chinese map, <laughs> and they knew exactly where they were going because this coastline is treacherous, and um, and there's like rocky outcrops and small islands, and it's like it's treacherous, really. Mm-hmm. And and the way they sailed, they knew where the rocks and the islands were, and they dodged them. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they would have ended up like everyone else, just a shipwreck. Yeah. So it's uh, it's fascinating when when you hear that, and I've I've heard that recently here by you know locals that have lived here a long time and and had access to to the diaries. So anyway, um, this is really interesting because the when the flat earth thing came out, I thought what really concerned me about it was how many like you said earlier intelligent people just float into it it's almost like um we're so frustrated with the current ruling organization right 
of this planet and the way we're treated and the way information is disseminated, well, you know, a lot of people are deeply frustrated that when a story like that comes along just for the sake of rebelling against the, the system's narrative, the matrix narrative, they go for a story like that so easily yeah. because it's that frustration and they just have to rebel. They have to find something that's going to be that they can attach themselves through, identify themselves through, and um, and be in that space of opposition to the official narrative. Uh, that what they don't realise is they're inside a controlled opposition space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's why I have understood as well. Uh, contemplating this whole issue mm. is that uh, um, as people have started to realize in a really big way mm. how much we have been lied to, uh, how much we have been uh, manipulated about, well, just about everything, actually, mm. and that everything we use to consider to be true, mm. uh, almost everything isn't, or has at least some partial level of manipulation to various degrees and various extents, it creates the conditions to be open to at least consider the possibility that even some fundamental um, pieces of information like the shape of the earth hmm. might be a lie. Um, and uh, um, we should really be open to question everything. Like you said, you did. Oh yeah, I, I question everything. Here, you know? I question myself all the time. I question everything. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I've just been in a very deep life review over the last few, you know, months, um, and and the last yeah, I'd say the last few months, and I've been reevaluating everything in my life mm -hmm. all of my belief systems everything what i'm here what i'm doing you know whether i was going to stop doing this sort of work and go and do something else you know like i was ready to walk away from everything if i needed to um so yeah i'm, I'm pretty serious about my my approach to yeah. reality and to what is You're real uh, mm -hmm. in life and 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 that word that we use that we call truth i mean that's why i've got a sword tattooed on my on my arm i mean this is this is something i live by yeah yeah and uh discernment is really key here because mm. it's perfectly it's perfectly all right it's perfectly valid it's perfectly desirable mm. to question everything but the, the uh, other side of that medal, the other side of the coin, is that we really need a very well-honed sense of discernment. Well, that's why I was bringing up that subject earlier, or that, that point I made earlier, Mark, was people are so wanting to rebel against the system yeah. and yeah. the official narrative Mm -hmm. that that and they're yearning for for the truth they're like where yeah. is it what is it and they're looking so yeah. hard that they're 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 yearning and what's yearning is an aching so it's a projection of pain down your timeline right mm -hmm. right and, mm -hmm. and and that, that you know they're just they're just so desperate 
for the truth that this comes along, which is a patchwork quilt of different things, which just really talks to that yearning and that aching. And, uh, and, and that's why the, um, the process of discernment gets compromised because of, of that yearning and that aching. They just, they just, it's that pain that just gets them straight yeah. into this so-called opposing viewpoint to the official narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that way, they are being derailed. Mm. They are being derailed and um, it is used ultimately against against the um, alternative viewpoints. It's had yes divide. It, it, it that flat Earth thing came into the alternative community and divided it. Yeah, not only did it divide it, but it helped discredit it. Correct. Because I've seen that happening. Mm. multiple times i've seen how it works Mm. for instance uh with the pandemic Mm. i've seen when people were bringing elements that were questioning the narrative Mm. very valid elements Mm. uh, the the knee-jerk reaction so well some of the knee-jerk reaction they would get was oh conspiracy theorists Flat earthers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're flat earthers. Mm-hmm. Here come the flat earthers. Yeah. So uh, there is that association that's been made between that theory that seems so completely out there mm-hmm. to mainstream people and anything that questions the narrative. So it's become, it becomes very easy to discredit uh, alternative information when you conflate it with this kind of psyop. Mm. It's very convenient. It's very convenient. And, uh, and also there is the, uh, the element of division, of course, that you have just mentioned, uh, that also has become painfully evident uh, over the years that... Um, it's very difficult nowadays to uh, try and build anything that would be um, alternative and aiming at improving people's lives and build a better society, a better world, you know. Uh, mm. So here you go, you try to build your community, you set up your little mm. uh, f- community forums or telegram groups. And very quickly, whatever the theme is, whatever it is your group or community is about, very quickly someone is coming along and say, hey, by the way, the earth is flat. And uh, and then the controversy starts. Because some people will go, what? What are you talking about? And others will go, oh, not again. Please, well, it's again. a very ancient ideology that has been once again recycled and re-propagated. Mm. I mean, you talk to uh, the original elders and 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 elders of of in original peoples around the world, and it was fully known around the world. It was fully known that um, the world was round and that a lot of the um, 
uh, heritage of the peoples of the cultures uh, come from the stars but mm -hmm. we don't live on a flat plane with a firmament which is pretty lights on a flat surface of a dome or something like that mm -hmm. um and like i said i've been out there um if you go to um i had this really interesting debate with um a gentleman um and it wasn't a fierce debate it was mm -hmm. just a difference of opinion exchange because um i was being interviewed by um, Mel Fabregas from Veritas Radio and Mel and I we have a lot of respect for each other we really do he's, he's done such great work and we've been on each other's shows you know uh, what seemed to create a wall between us was that he started becoming more of a flat earth sort of ideologist and um, I actually um, it was off air after our, our last interview, which uh, I, I feel I upset him, but I, I offered for him to um, come to Australia and I will take him to the um, Stromlo Observatory or one of our satellite observatories. There's one in the Warren Bungles. Um, and I can show him the southern hemisphere through a telescope so he could see for himself because we we have stars here that the northern hemisphere does not have and a lot of the flat earth theories everything revolves around this pole star the north star right well our sky in the southern hemisphere does not revolve around the north star <laughs> we don't even see the north star <laughs> not even way off in the distance mm. you get what i'm saying so, um, the, the, and, and when you look through these telescopes and you look at, you can buy a telescope, you know, this is what a lot of people who are into the flat earth thing have not done. You know, they haven't gone and looked for themselves. They're just taking it on the way evidence is presented to them by other people, which is usually bias in one direction or another. So mm -hmm. if you get a telescope and you start looking at the moon and you start looking at the, you know, uh, other planets in our solar system and you start looking at the cosmos it's self-evident it really is you just you just need a good telescope to to see the evidence um it's we are on a spheroidal planetary body and and we are in a solar system and we are inside of a cosmos a very big space and we are not living on a flat plane in a firmament that's that's just reality and um and and we gotta stop looking at it from this localized position and broaden our perspectives it's like uh the other the other issue with the whole flat earth thing is you know when they do their lasers across you know the land and all that um it's people don't realize that earth has dimples like a golf ball <clears throat> So if you're in one of those dimples, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to be taking measurements and you're going to think that um, the Earth's flat, but you're not looking at it from the big picture. It's it's localised ground level viewpoints. Do you know what I mean? And analysis. So 
it's um, it's something that needs to be taken into consideration. All these different dynamics of of this planetary reality that we live upon, and it was really interesting because there was people who I saw a video a while back of um, the two different camps, the flat earthers and the people who's saying you know you might want to reconsider that that idea, and they had a genuine debate. So they did their tests with you know, the laser beams over the water and this, that and the other. And they're on this huge lake, this incredibly large lake body of water. And but where they 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 had clear sight across the water to the other side. The problem is when you looked to the other side, you couldn't see the shoreline on the other side. Mm. And then and then so they did the thing with the 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 vertical staff in the boat and the boat going out and taking the measurement of you know how high it is up on the rule the vertical rule standing vertical in the boat and as the boat went further out you know it should stay the same all the way right now after a fair way it started to change a bit then what they did was they actually got a helicopter and they got one person from the flat earth team to be in the helicopter and one person to be on the shore and they flew that helicopter over to the other side of the lake and then they started descending and, and landing and they had their telescope and we're talking about a large lake, it's a fair way off, and they're looking through the telescope and the, the helicopter disappeared. <laughs> they couldn't see it anymore. And and they're radioing and we got, they're like, you've gone out of view and they're like, because all they could see was the water, but they couldn't see the helicopter. Mm. Um, and what happened was the helicopter still had something like 15 feet to go before it hit the ground. So they, then they said like they've landed and they're like, now we're going to take off. And the guys are like, we can't see you. Let us know when you can see us. And as they started to increase altitude, it wasn't until they got to about 15, 20 feet off the ground that they started to see the blades. So, you know, so the water had this curvature to it because mm -hmm. it's such a large lake, a large body of water. And so the flat earthers were blown away because they hadn't embarked on um, an investigation or an experiment, so to speak, um, to to that degree. So there, there are, it, it's the way the flat earth ideology is presented, like the the big walls they come across when they're in the Antarctic and things like that. These are massive icebergs that are, you know, ten, tens of thousands of years old, some of them, and they're very tall and, and they're pretty solid because, uh, you know, when you start getting near the poles, the magnetic poles, it's very cold. So we also know that Antarctica, for example, it, there's, there's ground under there. And, it, and, and we now know that that ice there is only around 13,000 years old. And it's very thick, but it's only around 13,000 years old. So uh, Antarctica used to be very lush, temperate yes, forests. definitely. And there's a map that exists showing. Um, do you know, is it the something Sears map or something like that? Can you? Sears map? Sees, uh, there's a, it's a name. The map's got a name. 
anyway, I've forgotten the name of the map, but it shows the landmass of Antarctica and it's a very old and ancient map. It's like, uh, yeah, is it the map of the, uh, the Ottoman Admiral? Piri race. That's it. The Piri race map. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So so he was an admiral in the, uh, in the Ottoman fleet and, uh, yeah, he had the these, uh, yeah, he had these maps and, uh, apparently, uh, he said that he was, the, he was not the author of them. He was a oh. modest copist. He was a modest copist of the originals. Yeah, and the originals are much older. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, how is that possible when, when someone can have a map and through the yeah, satellite radars, the map matches up perfectly with the contours of the hmm. landmass that's underneath the ice? So right there, that, that shows a, um, a very big anomaly going on in the story. Um, so we have had this ancient culture on earth which people have known for a long time about the nature of reality uh it's really interesting in the last seven thousand years how there's been a push since this planet was um and i will i will use this term um confidently since our planet was invaded seven thousand years ago by some extraterrestrial and interdimensional groups. Uh, and ever since then, th there's been some very strange narratives that have come out to change the, the ability of humans of this earth to see um, this reality for, for the true nature of what it is. Uh, it's like corralling human consciousness into this other space of believing these other stories. Yeah, and uh, um, I've been wondering too, uh, what would be the purpose of these uh, Tartarian, what I, I call it a psyop, because I don't see any, re I haven't seen anything that would convince me that it's not. So uh, what would be the reason behind uh, such a psyop? Other than, um, again, discrediting, mm. because uh, people who are starting to question uh, official history and uh, who might realize that, yes, uh, th there were civilizations in the past that uh, were really advanced uh, um, and really different uh, from what we have now, um, if you can make them stick to a narrative that has certain aspects that are really ridiculous, mm. quite frankly, uh, it, become, it becomes easy to discredit and dismiss the whole thing. Mm. So um, I believe that's an aspect of it. That's an aspect of it. But there might be others that I'm not aware of. Uh, at this particular moment in time. Uh, one little uh, snippet of information that I'm going to uh, submit to you, George, I don't know whether you'll be able, you will be able to do anything with it, is uh, uh, there is a lady in uh, your community. Mm -hmm. She told me that uh, every time she hears about Tartaria, she sees the Chinese Prime Minister Xi Jinping. Interesting. Wow. 
So is that an insinuation that that's where the PSYOP has spawned from? It could be. Uh, she, she doesn't really know what it means, but that's what she's experiencing. Yeah, interesting. Mm. What what do you feel is, um, you know, going into the inner workings? We've touched on it already, but what do you feel is the purpose for to do such a thing, to bring something like this PSYOP into the, the, the realm of human consciousness, into the collective space? Yeah, so um, as always, there are multiple objectives, I reckon. Uh, derailing is part of it. Mm. Discrediting. Why would you derail people? Well, uh, because when you derail them, they they don't arrive anywhere. You know, they are on a, on a sideway, and uh, they're spending their energy on something that doesn't have any substance. Well, let me give you an example of what you're saying there. Um, um... David Avocado Wolf, who does a lot of great work uh, for health mm -hmm. and nutrition, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, great guy. He's done a lot of great work. I uh, got to meet the guy briefly at, at, a, at an event. Um, and I went and saw him at another event uh, in a town in the northern rivers of, of New South Wales, Australia, called Mullumbimby, not far from Byron Bay. Mm -hmm. And um, the first part of his talk was fantastic because it was all about health and nutrition and plants and learning about the inner workings of the cacao plant and, and, and our relationship with them all. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. He's like natural genius when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. The second half after the, the break was all about him preaching and he became a preacher and it was really uncomfortable and uh, it was all about the flat earth. Um, that took me by surprise. It took everyone by surprise. There were a few flat earthers in there that are like, yay. <laughs> and, and quite a few people walked out and the, um, promoter who brought him in, um, there was, he, he, they didn't, they didn't know he was going to talk about flat earth. He just started doing it. So they were, they felt like they were let down and disappointed because that, They'd like for him to be able to speak whatever he wants to, but that that's such a big topic that, you know, if you're going to talk about it, then it's going to impact the promoter as well, uh, being such a controversial topic. So I'm, I, I was really taken aback. I had to walk out because I'd had enough of that energy. And it was like um, when people are espousing that type of ideology, we like everyone who talks we emanate energy that's why I've, you know back to my old supernova image i have here we we emanate energy outwardly right now i do it you do it we all do it everyone who talks each one of you listening to this that every time you talk you emanate energy and and we we, we propagate we become this beacon of light this this transmission tower so to speak for one of a better mm. term just to yes. give an analogy now, he was transmitting such uh, an uncomfortable signal uh, and, and that's what I, I experience when people are talking about the flat earth. I actually feel the imposition because I'm, I'm very sensitive. 
um, to multidimensional, you know, nature of life, I could feel the way this, this field of energy was working on my consciousness. And, and it was an imposition and it felt really uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Um, it wasn't like, it was different to when I would be in a belief system and I would hear someone talk truth and I would, I would feel uncomfortable and it would hurt as my false beliefs were being challenged. And then they start to melt down and break down and deconstruct that has a particular feeling of pain to it, right? And you know what that feels like because truth is speaking to you and your belief systems are being challenged. So that's that's that dynamic. You know what that feels mm -hmm. like. This was yeah. something different. <laughs> this was not yeah. a natural challenge on my belief systems of of starting to you know crack through those layers of falseness in the ego personality construct in the identity in the realm of consciousness in that in that construct that needs to be challenged and you know and 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 cracked and cracked open so you can get to the truth deep down inside etc cetera, etc cetera. this was different it has a different flavor a different feel a different texture a different experience altogether and that's the uh, identifier for me yeah, and uh, uh, I am familiar with that feeling that you've just described, George, because uh, um, I haven't been able to really dive deep into, uh, uh, for instance, that kind of five-hour documentary on, uh, on Tartaria that is you can still find on some uh, um, streaming platform, uh, video platforms. Mm. Um, because I can't stand it. Mm. I, I can't stand the energy that is coming from it. Uh, it's it's pretty just awful. I lasted about 20 minutes. Oh. Yeah. And, and I went, yeah, I just can't do this anymore. Because it's, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's an assault. It's an affront yeah. on, on, on the consciousness. It, it is not providing uh, natural organic truth from the natural way mm -hmm. of life and the natural way of love, which, which then challenges false belief mm -hmm. systems. It's not that experience. And I, I think that, um, well, people don't know me that well, but they know you much better. So I think they can at the very least give you credit for being a, a really, really open-minded, uh, individual. Because your podcast is called Super Woo Radio. <laughs> right. So I don't know how much more open to the woo side of reality you can be than yeah. calling your podcast Super Woo. Super Woo. No, we don't speak ordinary woo here. <laughs> and since I really love your work and support your work quite a bit, maybe people can give me credit too to be quite open to the woo. It's just that uh, here in this case, uh, it really doesn't feel good. Yeah. You know, it, it really doesn't feel good at all. Well, mm. that specific documentary should already ring uh, serious alarm bells mm. just by the fact that you never see the author. You don't even hear him, at least in the original version. It was just text with an ominous sounding music, which is already manipulating your, your psyche and your perception. Yeah, right. 
uh, then I've seen another yeah I've seen another version of it they had removed the ominous music hmm. and there was a guy reading the text with a really strong local British accent projecting his voice at you in a very forceful manner so uh, uh, I really don't like these these kind of methods, and uh, mm. I don't like to be exposed to information when the author is one hundred percent anonymous. Um, I find it difficult to uh, assign credit when uh, uh, people won't show their their face, won't let us hear their voice. But um, another thing I wanted to say that I have noticed about how the mind, how mind viruses change, modify the mindscape. Mm. So that people really reorganize their beliefs and their perceptions mm. to accommodate the virus. Uh, I've seen really extreme examples of that. And to accommodate the, case, the virus that accommodates the virus. <laughs> <laughs> so in the case of flat earth one example one example i once witnessed a discussion on a telegram channel uh there was a flat earther and then came uh, a guy who was very reactive about it and who had a scientific background as a physician and he said you know if that story of a globe, a firmament was true. Under the effect of the laws of physics and especially the dynamics of gravity, mm. that globe, dome, whatever, would collapse under its own weight through the sheer force of gravity. <laughs> and mm. do you know what the answer of the flat earther was? No. Gravity doesn't exist. Okay, so what is their answer to <laughs> me no, tossing someone... this up in the air and it coming back down? Like, how <laughs> how do they answer that? Someone, you know, someone was really uh, at that point. Someone was really outraged and posted the. Oh, gravity doesn't exist. So maybe go uh, go to a cliff and step step of the cliff, and that will settle the matter. Right. <laughs> and another example a very of that, good that proposition yeah. to that sort of yeah, statement. Yeah. Right. That's yeah evidence right there. Mm. Convince yourself. <laughs> yeah, it was like um, you know, after the Matrix came out, so many people took it literally like vehemently literally it, it created a fanatic following and the fanaticism and I, I remember a guy you know um playing out a scene from the movie in front of me i was having dinner with him and he's like and he was eating a steak and goes see the steak it doesn't really exist this is just an illusion and i'm like what do you mean it doesn't exist uh, i'm here we're having dinner we exist we're experiencing one another we exist like what do you mean and he's like, oh, this isn't real. This really isn't real. It's just an illusion, this whole thing. And, and, uh, and you know, I was like, well, the, when people say that, it's, it's an insult to their own soul, but it's also an insult to Mother Earth. 
And, um, and that, um, you know, I've got that whole list in my presentations of, uh, um, yeah, the, the, yeah, the cosmo political narratives to diminish mother earth and her humanity, how many there are. Right. Mm -hmm. And they all have exactly the same agenda, the same theme, and that is to diminish mother earth and humanity. And, and the flat earth is one of those things. It's, it's like taking away who mother earth is, what she's doing here, what she's achieving and, uh, and what she's putting herself through and what we're achieving here as a, as a human race on this incredible planetary being in this incredible solar system. So it's, 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 it's just a complete, um, I would say character assassination and, and, and defamation of mother earth and humanity, basically. So I said to this guy sitting opposite me, I said, so this isn't really real and it's just an illusion. If, if I lean over this table, cause we're having dinner across the table and I punch you fair in the nose right now, that's going to be okay because it's just an illusion. So you won't feel a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know, the illusion is so convincing, Joe, that he would feel something, of course. <laughs> it's, and the reason I shared that is because it's like, you know, go step off a cliff if you think gravity doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know what gravity is. Gravity is the, the law of attraction, it's the agreements on a soul level that keep us bound to this reality. It's our agreement with Mother Earth, it's what creates gravity. It's, mm-hmm. it's the LRE law of attraction. It's the magnetism. Yeah. And, and, and that is the gravity. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, no. if you want to levitate, change your relationship mm-hmm. with mother earth. And that's how you, um, that's how you levitate. Anyway. No, the thing is, uh, materialist science still cannot explain mm-hmm. gravity, mm-hmm. but there is a difference between, uh, not being able to explain something and that thing existing, you know, there is a, there is a vast difference. And uh, uh, I just want to give another example of this uh, mind virus reorganization thing that is about Tartaria. Uh, again, I saw uh, comments, comments uh, under, the, under a video. There was a guy who was trying to uh, um, mm, not debunk, but you know, make. I, I'm going. So, sorry, people. No offense, but I'm going to call you Tartarians. So he was going. He was trying to make Tartarians understand that what they were considering evidence was not very solid, and he was doing that with his common sense and his knowledge of history and bringing common sense arguments. And someone. Someone said, this guy is a web bot. <laughs> and others immediately, oh, yeah, he's a web bot. So uh, isn't that interesting mm. that if someone challenges your program, you're going to call him a program? Mm. <laughs> what a fantastic loop that is. <laughs> it is a fantastic loop. Yeah, I, I remember being caught in that loop years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I used to, but I did have trolls and shills and, you know, that's what I used to call them back then, the, the old mm. days of the trolls before the web bots came out. But, um, and you, we still get trolls and we still get that happening. But, 
Yeah, if someone's going to challenge me now, uh, I just get to choose whether I want to be challenged or not, if I feel up to it, basically. Sometimes it's really nice to be challenged and I enjoy mm. being challenged and stimulated in a way that I could have, you know, I like to have a good debate with someone where they're not going to take it personal and we can get passionate about it and it's a beautiful sparring session. I reckon that's just great, you know, because I, I want someone to show me to the extent of their idea or ideology or viewpoint or perspective. I, I want to see. I'm, I really try hard to see what they see. I'm very, I'm, I'm very open. Um, there are areas in life where I have boundaries set. I've set boundaries and you could say, oh, you got walls up in your clothes. No, I have, I have boundaries like in any relationship. <laughs> yeah. I have, yes. I have boundaries in my relationship with ideological systems as well. Yes. So there's, there's, I'm in relationship with them and, and like with some people, I need space, keep them at a distance. Others, you bring them in close, don't you? So yeah. it's, it's, it's natural relationship. Everything's relationship. I've always said that. So um, in my relationship with these ideologies, I'm very careful who I choose to hang out with because some of them are not very nice. You know, what they do, <laughs> what they do to your mind and your consciousness and your, and your persona and, yeah, they're, they're not nice. They're manipulative like some people. Yeah, that's a very good point and, and a very healthy uh, way of handling it. Mm. Yeah, so I'm, I, like I always like to give other people an opportunity to show themselves. I like to give ideologies an opportunity to show themselves. You know, and like you said, you're not seeing anything really, are you, that's showing you from the whole Tartaria thing. You know, there's some bits of information in there that are valid and they're true and they're good and they're solid. However, there's a whole lot that's missing. Mm, yeah. Yes, there is. Yeah. There is. And uh, um, I believe that this really should encourage us. Uh, I say us as a, as a collective, not as you and me, George, but this really should encourage us to um, reassess our trusting authority. And when I say authority, I don't mean uh, the government. Mm. I mean anyone who writes something or makes a video and is able to present a narrative in an articulated in an articulate way and do so with a certain tone of authority mm. so often we we just tend to jump when someone does that mm. because of the conditioning the conditioning that we've had that has been uh, introduced uh, originally by the, the priestly caste mm. and perpetuated by the school system of conditioning us to uh, accept external authority as the source of truth. So... Um, it's really well expressed. Yeah, I see a lot of that being played out as well in these psyops it's the reliance the over-reliance on 
uh, external authority. And uh, what one of my high school teachers called that the, the fetishism of the written word. If it's written, it's true. No? Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I've often said just because it's written in stone doesn't mean it's true. Mm. You know, how do yeah. you know there wasn't a guy there, Roman soldier with a spear going, you're going to scribe that in that stone, and if you don't. Mm. <laughs> so the, the scribes are there, you know, putting in you know, the victor's version of events, you know, because, you know, history's always been written by the victors, hasn't it? It is. <laughs> we know that um, and but i love the connection that you've made mark i think that's absolutely fantastic that that connection of the willingness of someone to just you know take a story on so so freely and and i've you know done that in the past too and i don't do it as often these days that's for sure i'm a lot more cautious um and 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 that connection to the the childhood of an individual going through school and the indoctrination and, mm -hmm. and, and, and the grooming <laughs> of, of a young mind to, to accept, yeah, the external authority. It's quite amazing. It is. It is. It's still so, so prevalent it's and so, so well. Yeah. I really, I really, that makes, that fits so well for me. You can see that that's what's happening in people as well. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, and we, we got the proof all around us too with COVID, right? So here we are all of a sudden, and that's why I called it out earlier as a Stockholm syndrome, you know? Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, totally. That was, that was in May 2020 I did that webinar mm -hmm. when I talked about the Stockholm syndrome. You could see people suffering from it. It was just like everywhere. It's all around. It was just mm -hmm. for me the whole community like all of a sudden society just reeked of it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it's also very similar to uh, the relationship of a child with an abusive parent correct you know uh, where they they defend the abusive parent and uh, mm -hmm. and venerate them and find reasons for them being abusive and uh, mm. believing that there is something wrong with them instead of the parent so here's a question for you do you feel like there's a link and this is a really far out question do you well, we're on super radio right do, uh, do you shoot. do you feel there's a link between the tartaria story and the pending uh disclosure story that i've been warning everybody about and uh for decades um that when disclosure happens it's going to be controlled opposition even and it's going to be in layers of controlled opposition um so you know there'll be the dystopian story and then the utopian one will come and uh and it's looking like the utopian story of disclosure has giants in it joints giants oh giants <laughs> yes giants yeah. well uh i hadn't considered that angle yet but um it would make sense is that because yeah because is it like I'm, I'm cutting you off since you started talking i just want to add this last little bit and i'll i'll, I'll promise i'll be patient he um, <laughs> has that story with tartaria and the giants that were the controllers of tartaria or the 
the the managers of Tataria, right? Um, being the giants in position of authority, in other words, linking in with the arcs, the so-called arcs that may or may not come from the earth and they've got all these giants in the cribs waiting to come out. I mean, is that preparing the alternative community to accept that story that's coming down the pipeline? Well, um, as I said, that would make sense because uh, being exposed to a, an alternative version of Earth history, even though it's not the actual one, would actually prime people's consciousness mm. to uh, a, a really big revelation mm. uh, of a narrative of humanity's past that would be resonant with that. Mm. Now, that may, it, it's not necessarily going to be uh, to, to, to completely fit with the Tartarian narrative, especially because it's it's actually very uh, uh, it's, it's pretty diverse. But um, people's consciousness would have been primed and opened to the fact that there is a whole, um, a huge section of Earth history that they've never heard about and that was kept very carefully hidden. Yeah. They've been exposed to that notion now. Mm. Mm. Interesting. You're up. Remember I said I was going to be quiet? <laughs> but I had to ask that question. <laughs> it was an important question. Um, yeah. So what, what were, you, were you wanting to say before when I cut you off? I interrupted. That's what I wanted to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> My question was in alignment with, with all of that. Yeah, yeah because you, uh, well, uh, unless, uh, unless I'm not remembering far enough and there was something else I wanted to say, but mm. uh, yeah, I actually wanted to ask you, George, um, whether you see other aspects to this agenda of confusion because uh, um, we have we have discussed multiple um, we have explored multiple objectives behind these psyops yeah but uh, regarding the whole a larger context of generating maximum confusion, you could say that these two particular ones are um, subsections of that or elements of that or examples of that. And uh, it's almost like at some point every, uh, or already now, you know, every section of the population, every group, every specific group, every types of mindset mm. has its own designated psyop that they're being exposed to. That's a really valid point. That's a, that mm -hmm. is 
so important what you just said. So very important. Great observation. Seriously, that is fantastic because <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's real. You look at each each um, subgroup within our society of uh, ideological subgroups. Every single one of them is infiltrated with an opposing view. It's just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Wow. So uh, if there is um, a really, um, let's say, I'm going to use the word global. Maybe it's not the best, but I'll go with global. Is there is a global agenda to generate uh, maximum confusion? Mm -hmm. So I agree. What, there is. Okay. So what would be, uh, in your understanding, mm. what would be the reason or the reasons for that? Yeah, um, it's an agenda to make everything as messy and confusing as possible. So no one knows who's who and what's up, what's what. Who's who in the zoo? What's up? What's down? What's back the front, inside out, and the other way around? And when that happens, we're like it's like the rug gets pulled out from under you, and you're left floating in the sea of uncertainty. And that makes the human population, this planet, like putty in the hands of the controllers. You know, it makes a, a, um, the human race, our humanity, a lot more vulnerable to subjugation to coercion and we're seeing that playing out excuse me or we're seeing it playing out all around us it's it's phenomenal and we're seeing it in the stockholm syndrome we're seeing it in the coercion of people lining up to take something that's really toxic um without any rhyme or reason and uh and on a fallacy you know the invisible boogeyman that you can't see and mm -hmm. Um, you've got to be very terrified and scared about it. And that's why we have people wearing masks on a beach or by themselves. <laughs> or, or, or in the ocean. Or in the ocean. Seen that too. People swimming with them on. Like, what? what? Yeah. Or, or being on a little boat in the middle of nowhere with your mask on. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I'm assuming you've seen that. Oh my goodness, that's I've seen I've seen pictures. Is, yes, <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, that is truly amazing. Or in a car by themselves. Windows that's very common. Everything. Yeah, that's, that's very common. That's yeah. insane. That's that's a mark <laughs> of insanity right there. Yeah, wow. Um, so we're seeing the impact it's having on you know the, it it is forming a psychosis in people. Mm. That, yeah. that's what the whole make it messy make confusing they're, they're literally propagating psychosis in people's minds yeah and and it really is for subjugation and control because it makes people so much easier to you know uh it's easy there's another quote it's easier to fool people who are fooling themselves mm -hmm. Now, um, I see two advantages uh, to this situation mm. from an evolutionary perspective. And the first one is that um, people are being prompted to question 
their certitudes, mm. which were, uh, for the most part, implanted by their own belief systems. So their certitudes were artificial to begin with. Yeah. So the fact that they are being actually manipulated to question their certitudes, it is, it is not a bad thing, even though there is a malevolent intention behind it mm. and an agenda of control. But ultimately, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And also, a um, very big lesson in terms of learning discernment, you know, mm. uh, learning the discernment process. Big, 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 big lesson. Mm. Big lesson. Yeah. Yeah, huge lesson. And also it helps with that dismantling process, you know, like yeah. um, that creating the psychosis also has in an element of dismantling the old because they're putting people into a new state, a new structure, mm. um, the, the psychosis structure, you know, the mass formation <laughs> psychosis. And, um, but that also helps because people are breaking down and then hopefully, you know, they're actually going to do what, from a bigger picture point of view, what is this asking of people? You know, how is it serving us in our favour, you know? And, and, and what it's doing is it's forcing us to realise that if we keep externalising our sense of reality, then mm. we're going to continue to be led uh, like lambs to the slaughterhouse from one yeah, dystopian reality to another. And, and even a utopian false utopian sort of world of, of, you know, everything's beautiful and everyone's burping butterflies and farting rainbows, but you're, you're in a prison. So it's, what's it forcing us to do? It's forcing us to turn inward. And, and if we, if we can respond to this in this way, so when we do start to feel that place of getting messy and, and it's all confusing and we're losing our grip on that foundation of what is real, and, and we're, we're floating in that sea of uncertainty now, right? So what do we got left? You know, we got to turn inwardly. Because if we don't, then we're going to continue to be led into one bubble reality of, of someone else's story or another. So if we want to get to what's real in life, then we've got to go inward. And that's how this is serving us. It's giving us that opportunity. Uh, how does that feel for you? That feels that feels like you um, have hit the jackpot. Mm. <laughs> no, it feels it feels solid. It mm. feels solid. It feels true, and it feels clear. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it, it comes down to you strip it right down to that binary process. It comes down to you're going to continue to look outside of yourself or you're going to turn mm -hmm. inward. Mm. Yeah. In other, in other words, start being your own authority. Exactly. For a change. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You got it. Hello. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I see it all over the place. Mm. People are so vulnerable to the tone of authority. Mm. And uh, I have a specific guy in mind who is, uh, many people are really uh, loving him. He's a, he's a know-it-all. He's a know-it-all. He always speaks on whatever subject he discusses with a tone of calm, but absolute authority. And people are so falling for it, even though his predictions, you know, most of the time. I think I know who you're referring to. The, the one thing about this individual that concerns me the most is the, uh, um, the propagating and the um, promoting of the C60 substance. Yeah. That is a very serious issue for me because... Um, I, I tried that for a little bit and what it did to me was just bloody awful, to be honest with you. Uh, what it did to my consciousness, to my energetic field and my body. There may be some benefits, but I'm not going to go putting graphene oxide that has been turned into little, you know, penta pentagon particles all put together and hexagon particles all put together into, into the shape of a, a spherical carbon graphene oxide ball. I'm not going to do that synthetically created as well. If I want, if I want to do that sort of process, I'm going to go and get activated charcoal, mm. right? And do the organic stuff. I'm not going to go get, you know, because people, what people don't realize is the nanotechnology that uh, is, is in these injections is, is made from the same stuff that those buckyballs are made out of. And, uh, and so they're just putting a whole bunch of graphene oxide into their body, which makes them more susceptible to, to receive the signals from, <laughs> from the networks, be it, you know, the, the infamous 5G or 6G or whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah, you're filling your body up with graphene oxide. Hello. Like, where's the, synthetically created, where's the warning bells there for people? Right? They're not seeing it. But anyway, yeah. Um, I I took C60 myself for a few months, but uh, I cheated. Mm -hmm. I cheated because uh, uh, I was doing phasing out, you know, because I, I wasn't 100% sure that it was good for me. So uh, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, was, I was phasing out every possible harmful effect mm -hmm. that it could have. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm just putting the warning, I'm putting the warning bells out to people, you know, I'm warning you, if you're taking that C60, I warn you to stop and, and detox that carbon, uh, graphene oxide out, out of your body. You really want to get that out. So instead of filling your body up with more of that stuff, it's just, yeah, people aren't, aren't seeing it for what it is. Uh, whereas activated charcoal in an organic sense, you know, doesn't okay. um, receive the signals like the other stuff does. So I just want to finish that off. Yeah, and uh, I feel that this is opening an, a whole other can of worms because um, like other 
for instance, healing modalities, um, you're getting benefits from it. Yes. You're getting benefits from it. it yeah. But um, you're getting the infiltration from another side that is not obvious. Mm. You know? Um, it's not it's not like your so-called vaccine injection that is going to make you horribly sick or, or, or kill you very rapidly. It's a whole other ball game of uh, providing you with some benefits that you're going to feel mm. while you are being infiltrated at a more subtle level. And there are healing modalities that do that. And uh, um, uh, I don't really have a fully formed opinion about the, the healing technologies that are going to be disseminated uh, in the years to come, like the also famous med beds. Um, I'm sure they are going to heal people for a whole host of conditions. I am. What are what is going, yeah? What is going to come underneath the healing? I'm not so sure. I'm I've not a bit of an sure idea, yet. and mm. that's what I'm warning people about with the med beds. Uh, I'm you know again I'm I'm cautious. I'm not paranoid. Um, I am cautious from all my experience. It's like proceed with caution, you know, and we have to. It's that fine line. We're walking a fine line between hope and caution. Right, and we got a. It's this beautiful dance between the two, and uh, so for me, the the med beds uh, will scan the individual on a quantum level, and therefore will rearrange the physical structure. But then people worried about, oh, you know, they've got your DNA, DNA bank, and they can, you know, do this and do that. Um, well, they're gonna have your scans on a quantum level that's a whole new level of control mm. whole new level of control controlling someone from a quantum level wow that's next level big time yeah and and it's going to be tougher for people to hold on to their centered zen state i mean look how challenged people are look how many people fell for the whole covidian cult narrative it didn't take much. And so many, like you said, intelligent, we both said earlier, intelligent people have just, yeah, been taken by this, this narrative. Now, scanning on a quantum level and having extraterrestrial empire coming in and introducing itself, you know, and introducing Earth to the galactic community, et cetera, et cetera, which I would love to see happen. But what part of the galactic community, like... Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Who? Well, you know, e even if uh, even if that disclosure is happening in a manipulated way, I'll take it. Mm. I'll take it. Because we need to get out of the small cage. Stepping even if, Yeah, even if, if it's to enter a bigger cage, mm -hmm. we need to get out of the small cage because... It's freaking suffocating. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, and and I and I do see the stepping stones. Like I'm I'm welcoming all this, you know, controlled disclosure that's coming out. It's good to know though and warn people about what's actually happening. And 
um, and and share it and making sure that we don't get caught up and um, and lose ourselves in these narratives because they're designed to corral humans in a particular direction. And and mm. the way I see it is it's, it's preparing everyone for harvest. So the, the era of confusion and the aura of confusion that has been created on the planet um, is making people more susceptible to these um, these stories and, and, and these belief systems and these perspectives. Yeah, and perception of reality. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how do you feel now, Mark? Is there um, anything more that you'd like to add to today's conversation? It feels like uh, our, little, our little jam session, which is, I don't know how it happened, but um, a good two hours has passed already. That's pretty freaky. Yeah, it's like two and a half hours, yes. I I <laughs> thought we'd been going for about an hour and then I looked at the clock and I'm like, what the, that go? <laughs> um, you know what they say about good company, George. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. Um, well, Mark, for um, closing statements, um, you know, do you have like a website or anything like that you'd like to share with people where they can find out a little bit more about you and what you do? Um, I'm actually going to provide that because hmm. um, I've been pretty idle <laughs> when it comes to websites. Hmm. So uh, um, I'm going to set up a website so that I can actually give you uh, a URL that you can provide a link for okay. <laughs> for this video, <laughs> so okay. people can so people can actually have an online access to my services. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. So um, you'll provide me with that URL. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So because uh, uh, what I'm yeah. going to do is I'm going to insert in the video now. Mm. Right, so there you go. That's Mark's URL appearing on the screen now. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can go to his website and suss him out. Go and have an adventure and, and a fun time with Mark because he's a very, very deeply uh, intelligent man. And we always have a very beautiful dialogue every time we jam so beautifully. We do. Yeah, very topical. Uh, Mark, what, what are your closing statements for... Um, you know, the folks who have been sitting through this and listening through this that, you know, what, what, what do you have to share with them in the way of wisdom that'll be supportive as well? Um, don't take things at face value. Mm. That's for sure. Mm. Uh, let's start to claim our authority. Let's start to uh, put ourselves as the authority because we really need to uh, deprogram ourselves and de de detox from our addiction to external authorities and to everyone else but ourselves being an authority. <laughs> and um, a big one as well, I believe, is to... Uh, detox ourselves also from our addiction to uh, sensationalism, to sensational information, mm. 
and sensational novelty because that's the uh it's the game of the buzz you know it's the game of the the wow mm. that that buzz that you're the, that buzz effect that you're talking about that is so uh part of how synthetic light operates mm. yep yeah amazing yeah thank you that is really beautiful advice and uh just want to say mark thanks for coming on mate it's really good of you to jump on and into super radio land and and share with with folks your your brilliant insights really fantastic you I, I feel like stimulated a lot of reevaluation and reassessment for folks today and well, thanks for having me yeah. yeah thanks for having me on your podcast george i really appreciate it oh you're welcome mark so yeah it's uh, my pleasure and you really help people to really you know get a feel for a different approach to things and um or maybe validated their approach yeah it's really good all right mate love your work thanks again for being on super Woo. and um yeah sending you lots of love and yeah and um, it was a real pleasure Thanks, mate. Good on you.